don't know whether you can hear it, but it's noisy today. Oh, by the way, if the um, if you see me put my hand up and I pause it, um, I'm the only one home at the moment, and the builder um, may be coming, so I may have to let him in. So <clears throat> just okay. to give Got you it. a heads up. Cool. All right. Well, might as well fire it up. Wonder how many intros we're going to do today because um, it took Brian and I three yesterday. It was mainly on his side of things. Well, it was all on his side of things. So, <laughs> well, it seems like I'm. It seems like I'm coming through. So if, as long as we have a safe, whatever a, a SD card or whatever that we need and all that shit, then we're good. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine Podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's up, everyone? Griff here. Another episode of the Beer Engine Podcast. There goes my computer making a bleeping noise. Tony, did you catch that? Did that I, come I through did. you? Yes, there was no uh, pastry bot interference on my end. I didn't hear that. Okay, so you did not you did not get the noise of Outlook saying I had an email. No. Oh man, oh, remember the so old days good. of AOL where it used to like scream at you? You've got mail. You've got mail. Uh, it just does that different. It just has like these. Kelly calls it sonic branding, uh, which is a funny. That's a very used to think. Suppose it, it's just very PR strange. way of sort of thinking about an earworm because that's essentially what they're trying to do. They're trying to trying to associate a sound with a thing. And hey, tech companies have probably been at the forefront of that since you've got Mail, uh, Windows three point one when that used to load up. Yep, the Windows chimes. You got that? The fucking text message sound for your Nokia. Or yep. whatever, um, or Motorola phone. Everybody had their own text message sound. So, yeah, the company's got us again. God damn it! They've da 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 da. They've got. They we're loving it <laughs> about Sonic fucking branding. Um, I mean, what what sound? What's what do you think uh, people would come up with if they had to come up with a sound for for Donald Trump? If you had to come up with a my guess is all the goofy like Brooklyn Dead defiant guys online would be like, yeah, it's like the the the, um, the uh, Empire theme from fucking Star Wars or whatever. But what, what would you what would you think you would use for like kind of a Trump walks in the room? What sound would you play? I would p- play because there's several factors. It's not just what it is, but a whoopee cushion sound. Because like a fart sound, yeah. Not a fart sound. A whoopee cushion sound. Got to be a whoopee cushion sound because a he is offensive like a fart, but he is first and foremost more a fraud and a fake. So it's not a real fart. It is trying to sort of put together a fart sound, but it's not really even close, which I think is perfect sure. for Trump because he, he that's how he has lived his entire life, as sort of this fake, like weird. He would have been perfect to take over Vegas. He really would have dominated had he been a competent business person. I think they should. Oh, all right. You know, I think I would pick. I think the sound I would go with is for some reason I can't get it out of my head. Like the um, 
the cut sound from Seinfeld, like the bass. Yep. Bound to bound to bound bow. Yeah, just walks in and that plays. I just think that would be really funny. I don't know why that would that would really that would really crack me up if that's something that happened. Yeah, although I do, and I know he used this. I always like the fact that he just doesn't get it and pick a song that people think is a um, like patriotic song, but isn't. And supports his values, like him coming into Fortunate Son into every room, and him not being oh, self-aware sure. enough that that is not a song about how not great America any, is. Yeah, or or like um, or to run. You know, some one of these. Oh yeah, sure. Any any Springsteen song, uh, Allentown by uh, Billy Joel. That'd yep. be a good one. Uh, <laughs> pretty good. Well, it sounds like they, Tony. I, they definitely got him this time. I'm sure he won't wriggle out of this jam. Uh, like he's wriggled out of every jam easily, but um, yeah, I gotta looks say, like he's, looks like he's at least in a bit, a bit of. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of balls spinning. He right does now, uh, out there. I will say a Rico case, case is a lot tougher to fight. It's a lot tougher to put together a Rico case, but generally, if a Rico case is brought against you, you're in pretty big trouble. Yeah, racketeering is one of those things that they use for like cult. Leaders and mafia guys. So yeah, uh, it's or just usually those guys. Or people the government yeah. doesn't like in general. They tend to use that as well. So, which <laughs> yeah, that's you know, fair enough. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a catch-all term. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, it's uh, I I don't know. I guess they have to book him at a jail. So I mean, that's kind of funny to think about. You think he'll get in like the? I, I want him to put on the um, to really get all the. The online people uh, writing funny posts get him in one of those like striped suits. No, you don't like want him. He's in got the booked at like the old, the old West Jail or whatever. What you want him in is the orange jumpsuit, not the green. The green would be good. Don't get me wrong with his fake tan that would photograph beautifully. But the orange jumpsuit with his orange tan, I just think they could camouflage beautifully. You wouldn't know where Trump yeah. starts and and the jumpsuit ends. It'd be great. It'll be interesting yeah, to see what happens with these courses, these cases. Be interesting to see how many of them go public, because that's the more interesting part. Because the more this stuff becomes public, the harder it is for non-MAGA Republicans to sort of defend him, um, which is really all you can hope for. Because the the MAGA crowd, there's nothing you can do there. The, the, they're too far mm-hmm. gone. They're down the rabbit hole. They're gone. But it's these ones that silently vote for him yet publicly say nothing they're the they're the ones that you sort of need to go after for the sanity of the country and of course you've got a a field of republican candidates ready to take his place being led by ron DeSantis, who is just fucking killing it right now yeah he's just trying (laughs) uh i was just seeing i i didn't realize they're doing a fucking debate yep next week but trump hasn't signed Uh, on to the pledge Oh, he's he's not doing it. He said he was gonna. He's planning counter programming. But I didn't even realize some of these people were running. North Dakota Governor to Doug Burgum. Who? I don't know. Uh, he met the donor threshold and polled well enough in qualifying surveys inside the pledge to support the party's eventual nominee. So you have uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, yep. uh, Doug Burgum, and Tim Scott 
Mike uh, Pence Timmy and Scott. Chris Christie have not yet signed the special pledge yet. So, um, who knows? Who and knows you know what the special, special pledge is, right? You have to support whoever gets nominated. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny that they make them sign a pledge. Um, pretty good stuff. Uh, it should be an exciting couple of years. That sucks really bad. Yeah, and there's um, no has-beens in, in that race, like Chris Christie. That dude is as current almost, as ever. Tim Scott, baby. So 2024, they're almost, baby. They're actually almost already feeling like has-beens, including Ron DeSantis, who <laughs> kind of feels like he's last year's news already. Yeah, he's last year's pudding. Funny. That's what he is. Yeah, exactly. He's last year's <laughs> pudding skin. Yeah, it's great stuff. Um, um, those were the days. Tony, I... It was unfortunate to hear. I know you had been highly invested in your uh, in the Matildas. Yep. Uh, they lose, which does fuck up my betting scheme Bummer. a little bit, although not entirely because I did have England too. I bet England, uh, uh, England, Sweden, and Australia before Ooh, the tournament. Oh, you're doing all right. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, Spain. I I, I should have hedged with Spain at the semis, but I just didn't. So, but for that, were they for the win, or were they to make the semis, or what was the deal with the bets? They were all to win. Okay, gotcha. So, so you fifty fifty chance. I had a fifty fifty chance, but I I did prefer Australia since they were like plus twenty two hundred or something, which was yeah. actually pretty sweet. No, it was a good run by the girls. Um, just. Just did the have it in the last game. You can't sort of say we were robbed or there was a lucky goal. No. Just didn't have it in the last game. And that, that happens in big tournaments. They'd never got this far. So more plaudits to them. Um, I mean, the whole nation bought in other than a couple of right-wing shitheads that, that didn't want to yep. support them because they were too woke. I don't know why they were woke. We haven't had any pay disputes or anything like that other than the fact that there are and 10 out people, I, I think that's it. I think that's the whole reason they were woke. It's really weird that, that they jump Bizarre. on that. But for the most part, the nation was behind a whole bunch of people that, that don't follow soccer. I can't really consider myself a soccer fan. I've watched a bit more of it this year with, of course, the Matildas and Ange being in action. Um, but, yeah, we've all jumped on board. Uh, we probably won't be watching the final. Too traumatising after dropping out, but I hope... Uh, I hope England lose, not for your bet. I hope you actually get paid on your bet. But, uh, yeah, it's just something about Australia and England that we uh, uh, have a sporting rivalry. England, I understand. Yeah, it seems to be the case. I, I will not be watching either since it is Sunday at 3 a.m. Uh, it's just not important enough to me to wake up at 3 a.m. Now, to watch. I uh, don't have it in me. Fair enough. There are there are a handful of events that I would wake up at three AM for, but that's not one of them. If Tottenham plays in the Champions League final and it's held in Australia for some reason, <laughs> I am uh, uh, but usually usually I get at least an extra three or four hours if that'll be the case. I think now, it's safe. I know we're only one round in to the EPL, but uh, We've we've um, had sort of changes at Tottenham. Of course, uh-huh. we've spoken about Ange, but uh, they've lost a player. Apparently, went, went for a little bit of money, a couple of dollars here or there, um, mm-hmm. which I'm sure they'll. A few bucks came through. Yeah, I'm sure Daniel Levy will spend what five percent of those dollars to buy a new player in. Mm-hmm. But yep. what are your thoughts on Tottenham so far this year on their? I mean, style promising. Of Promising performance, I thought. I thought they played well. Um, 
that Burnham or Brentford is no schlub. They were eight, like eighth or ninth or something last year. Ninth so. last year. Uh, yeah, they're right behind Spurs. And last time we played them uh, at the end of last season, they whipped our ass three to nothing at home. So uh, I'll take. I think they played pretty well. They had a own goal and a pretty soft penalty that they gave up. Uh, they were much better in the second half defensively. So it seems like they were starting to get their beat about them. They also lost their best defender in the first 20 minutes. That um, makes it tough. Which I think was tough, especially with learning a new system and everything. Um, so I think they played well. I thought they played the style. They were, they were now you're not playing perfect to the style, but they were uh, all over the goddamn place, and they put on 18 shots and had 70% of the ball. So that's new for us for <laughs> the last couple of years, playing under Conte and Mourinho, which has been miserable to watch. Yep. Uh, it's certainly more fun. Uh, I, I think everybody, I think all Spurs fans are overjoyed to have him around. Um, I'm not sure if it'll result in us being top four this year, um, but I think this is a fine start. It's a road road draw against a good team. I think that's yep perfectly acceptable um, based on past results with Brentford. So, hey, you don't even need to be top four to get into Champions League. It's top five this year. Remember, it'll be five. It will be. Yep, that's right. Because of West Ham winning the Conference League or whatever. Yeah, so um, that gives you an extra slot. But I, I, I think. A satisfactory result would be to finish above where you did last year. Seventh or above, yep. I think, given Harry Kane has moved on, new coach. I mean, an entirely in. new team. Pretty yep. much the, the, those, that 11 minus Sun was like all people who have played less than 30, 30 games for Spurs. So yep. even I would say Richarlison, who was hurt for most of last year. Basuma was hurt for last year. Lusevsky had injuries last year. Um, maybe Skip, I would say, has played for a little longer, but he's still only 22 years old. But Udogi was on load. Van de Ven got signed last week. Romero, okay, he's been here two years. Emerson, and then the new goalie. I mean, you pretty much have flipped your whole team over. Um, and that's crazy to do. So I still think it's a pretty competent team. I think they'll be right there in the in the mix for playing in Europe. And um, I think they'll be a shitload more fun to watch and we'll feel a lot more optimistic because even after the draw you could see that the fans are pretty pretty positive so uh i think i think i think everyone's feeling pretty good and i think this i think we can beat united i maybe they'll whip our ass saturday but i that united team didn't scare me the other day so i think i think spurs could 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 get after him now have you been watching any of the uh pre-fiba world cup events um, any of the American... Not really, but I was watching some highlights of the fucking Bahamas. We have Eric Gordon and DeAndre Ayton and um, Buddy Heald on their team and are apparently doing really good. I thought Buddy Heald was... Um, I thought he was Haitian. There you go. It, it's... Yeah, so I was like, what the, what the fuck is this? I don't, it, was crazy to, it was crazy to look at, but um, no, I haven't, I haven't actually... Caught any wind of it? I, I saw the U.S. played their warm-up game here, and they beat the living shit out of Puerto Rico. And I think they won their first game. But yeah, we uh, um, a, the Boomers here. lost to Brazil, but they their heart really wasn't in it. They they didn't play great basketball. But before that, they beat Venezuela by sixty points. So, and I don't really think you have a, a chance at being in the top half dozen unless you have at least. 80% of your roster in the NBA. And 
other than if you're coming from Europe. Maybe some of that EuroLeague form will hold up, but I really think you'd need a good swath of NBA talent to, to really go forward in the tournament, which is which shows how diverse the um, the basketball Boy, world has become. a tremendous amount of teams in this tournament. Good Lord. Um, okay, so who we got in our group, Tony? The U.S. has New Zealand, Greece, and Jordan. Okay, so... Sheesh, you got to need... Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Greece Greece will be a t- Greece has. Friend. Greece will have some talent. New Zealand have got um, Stephen Adams. They have, they, have, they, have one, they have at least one guy that I know is pretty good, but uh, is Giannis playing... I hope. Don't know. I would. Uh, no, he is not. Giannis is not playing in this tournament. So, uh, so we we're, we're we we don't have to deal with him. No. Uh, just as just his brother, who is not as good as him by any stretch. So, um, all right. So yeah, I'll probably that, that that doesn't start officially till next Friday. Yeah, looks like. Okay, so I, I'll take a gander. Okay, I won't be because it's on it. <laughs> Yet again, just unacceptable times for me to see it. 5.40 a.m. I mean, maybe I'll be up by 6.30. I can catch the second half. But Do we really need eight different groups in this? There are so many teams. Do we need, I mean, no offense to the to Cape Verde. Yeah, that, that's or, the team I was looking at, Cape Verde or the Ivory Coast. They were the, and Lebanon, not really known as a basketball nation. I mean, Angola had maybe my one of the most famous quotes levied against them from Charles Barkley, which was, "I don't know, I don't know what Angola is, but Angola's in trouble." Because <laughs> they were the first team that played the Dream Team in '92. I don't know what Angola is, but Angola's in trouble. <laughs> yeah, Angola have come a long way. They're they're a decent basketball nation than from when they played the Dream Team. I think that really helped. they oh, of course, yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody got helped by that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'll take a gander at that. That's something. Um, Tony, I uh, I just came back. I was traveling. I did hear on TAI that you did say I was in Florida. I, I know. Well, I made the mistake. Hey, let, let's be real. Wisconsin is the Florida of the Midwest. Wisconsin and Georgia actually just sort of switched places is what I think. It's, <laughs> it's sort of like they just flipped. They that was in a nice part of Politically as well. Uh, yeah, well, actually, I think Wisconsin is more like Georgia used to be. Um, uh, but I was in the nice progressive part of, of Wisconsin in Madison, um, which is a very cool city uh, for the great taste of the Midwest, which was, as usual, an amazing event. Uh, perfect weather this year. Maybe a little steamy, maybe a little warm, but not too bad. So what does um, that mean? Give me some reference, humidity-wise like, and then temperature-wise. You can do it in, you know, like in probably, freedom units if you must. I'd say so it's about 30, maybe about 30 degrees. I did that in your units. And Celsius. I would say, yep. And uh, uh, I don't know. I think it was one day it was definitely, it said 70% humidity. Oh, I was gross. like, good Lord. But I think Saturday it got it had gotten down to about fifty. So so just still still sweaty enough, maybe like forty five, fifty. I know it just proves um, that all heat isn't made equal. There's something about that yeah. like midwest midwest humid humid like heat that is yeah really. I mean the gross. difference one the big difference to remember with Vegas is that it's it's too hot to go outside here. Just you just don't go outside, so you don't really care. 
Yeah. But 80, 84 degrees Fahrenheit and a little humid, you can go out. We, you can go outside. They will hold events outside. Stuff happens outside. <laughs> so you go outside and you do stuff and you're outside for hours on end sweating, you know, and yep. it's just what it is. Um, so did you I, keep I your fluids st- up at uh, Great Taste yeah. of the Midwest? Yeah, managed to get enough water down and get through the fest. Um, it was a uh, it it was a uh, it was a long warm day though, um, so we were pretty we were pretty much burnt out. Are you going to give us a full night? Blow by blow recap, or what's what's the plan? Well, I'll tell you. I'm not going to give you the every beer recap because I'll put I'll save those for my lager and beer of the week. But I will tell you that um, we did hit the big highlights of. The, of Midwestern fame, you walk right in the door, and pretty much revolution is right there for you, pouring pitchers of VSOR and fucking all your barley wines, um, and all your all your other big favorite breweries are there. New Glarus had a whole tent set up with their 30th anniversary quad there, fantastic, great tasting beer. Um, my locals from when I lived in Romeoville, workforce was there. Um, so it was great to see all those people chit chat with some old bartender friends that were hanging around the event. It was an excellent time, beautiful setting right on the lakefront. I highly recommend it to anybody who wants to go to a unique beer fest setting. We go back for it pretty much every year. I think I'll go back next year. Um, it was, it was a great time. I highly recommend it to anyone who's, if you're really into beer. This is one of those ones that I would make it on your beer fest bucket list. Along with like Firestone Walker Invitational and Mickler, you know yep. stuff like that. Now, what were your standout states? I know um, it's not evenly spread across the Midwest. I know Wisconsin and Illinois dominate, but what were your favorite states? Without going into um, individual breweries or giving away your, your lager and beers of the week. Unfortunately, it's there's three three big cities own the whole thing. It's Chicago, Minneapolis, and St. Louis. Those are all those are the breweries okay. you want to be hitting. So what's that? Illinois, Missouri, and Minnesota. Yep. Um, but everybody wants Forager. That's Minneapolis. Everybody wants to be at Microphone and Rev and Half Acre. That's Chicago. And then um, you know, Second Shift, Four Hands, Perennial, Urban Chestnut are your St. Louis, you know, rundown. So those are the ones that I think really take it. I, some, some asshole will get on here and tell me like, Oh, what about Cincinnati? And I like, fuck you. <laughs> Nobody cares. It's not Cincinnati. Um, so I, uh, Iowa, whatever. I don't, I think I posted it, but Toppling Goliath was getting shit all weekend because of hosting the Ron DeSantis event. <laughs> and that continued. That, literally the first thing I heard out of a beer guy's mouth was, Hey, did you hear about the the Ron DeSantis thing? It's something like that's fucking funny, dude. Um, start, I mean, the whole weekend they were getting shit, so that was pretty great. Hey, you read um, what you say? Yeah. That's free market, baby. That's the free market for you. But again, highly recommend it. Madison's a great city. It was my birthday. Thank you for the birthday wishes, by the way. While we were there, and we did go to an amazing dinner. Yep. Are in town too. A bunch of great meals. So really good stuff. Happy forty eighth. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, I'm somewhere between thirty and fifty-seven years old. Yeah, like your 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 birth age is lower than your like life expectancy age, or whatever that number is. You know what I mean? With all the mechanical valves and shit you've got going on. I don't. I don't want to think about what my life expectancy age is. <laughs> really, fair enough. Now the valves. The valves are safe. The valves will last 10,000 years. They'll dig those up if they ever have to inspect my corpse for anything <laughs> in 200 years. But, uh, 
yeah, don't need to don't need to be putting that my mind through that exercise. Now we've got to talk food. Were there any standouts, or it was just standard festival fare? And then I do. No, I didn't a- really didn't really eat it to fest, but I will give one standout item. We obviously did like a tasting menu thing at for my birthday, which was fucking amazing. So I recommend that place. I'm not going to go into that. This is not the right crowd for that. I don't think. I think it is. Okay, but it was amazing. I'm not going to go through the whole menu. Go no. check out. Go to the Trois restaurant, like French for Star, uh, and look at the menu. It's an amazing tasting menu. The standout of that was probably the um, the salmon dish. I never say salmon as a standout because it sounds boring. But salmon with chanterelle mushrooms was stupid good. But anyways, the standout thing that I think is the best beer food I ate was at a bar called the Old Fashioned. And it was a summer sausage sandwich. Tony, are you familiar with summer sausage? I am because I dabble in cured meats. But for our uh, beer folk, talk us through the summer sausage. I don't, I don't quite. The best way I was able to describe it was it's not, it's sort of like salami combined with bologna. It's it's got kind of the yep. sharp, salty curedness, beef beefiness of salami, but there is a pork component that makes it highly sliceable. Um, and um, s- salami's pork, buddy. Okay, so there, so it's a lot like salami, is what I'm saying. It's, it's maybe a little it, less fatty. Yeah, a little less a little fatty more and more spiced. Yeah, is. right, and more spiced. Yep. So very tasty stuff. They just slice that thin, like a like salami size slices, like big yeah. slices of this. They slice it pretty thin, um, griddle it uh, on the flat top, get a little crisp on it either side, mm-hmm. slap it on some nice rye bread, local rye bread, sauerkraut. Red onion, raw red onion, and a big swab of brown mustard on that bad boy, and that's it. Out the door. Yeah. That's some fine ass. That's some fine ass food with a pint of Moon Man from uh, New Glarus. So, uh, uh, old fashioned tavern on the Capitol Square in Madison. Get that. It's eight dollars and ninety five cents, which is an absolute goddamn <laughs> steal. With with fries, I got salad because I'm be I was being healthy. Apparently. Boom. Uh, but the fries are are solid. So you get it with fries, eight dollars ninety five cents. A beer, a Moon Man costs you four fifty. Pretty solid. And of course, last time we had a guest on, we were talking about all the pre event events associated with the festival. Yeah. What were your highlights there? What did you attend, and what were your highlights? So we hit the event at Barley Pop that had um, it was like microphone and more and. Poppling and a whole handful of other um, breweries there. Uh, Dimensional was there, I think. So that was good. Um, what did we do right before that? Oh, we went to, oh, the, the highlight was, I'll tell you the highlight. It was the Central Waters. So I don't know if you're familiar, I don't know how many people are, are going to be familiar with Central Waters Brewing. It was their 25th anniversary. They have, are from somewhere in Wisconsin, Amherst, Wisconsin, I think. And the thing they're probably best known to anyone that's not in Wisconsin about, is they make these annual barrel-aged beers, and they're insanely affordable, and they're insanely really? delicious. So you can get a four-pack of, like, barrel-aged barley wine for $12.99, $11.99. And they're not straight jacket, but they're pretty close. Uh, you're getting 85 <laughs> 90% of what straight jacket is for a very low price. They're a little bit more traditional, I'd say. They're brewed more to style for yep. 2003 or something when they started making these things, or 1998 or whatever. But these beers are stupid good. It's their 25th anniversary. They did a whole line of like high-end whiskey single barrel releases and um, 
just for this year, aged X amount of months in, in whichever ones. We went to that, and it was not super crowded. We were able to get any beer we wanted, pretty much, in small pours. Um, had the 25th anniversary. The best one was the Four Roses one, the Four Roses barrel age. Not the Pappy, not the Elijah Craig 18-year. Four Roses, straight up. Four yep. Roses that you can buy at the fucking, down the road here at the Total Wine. Um, that was that was the best one, and it was so good. Those beers are wonderful. They were great at the festival, too. They had a bunch of them. Um, so Central Waters, the Central Waters event at Lucille um, was really, really good. So uh, that was, that, I'm not even sure we brought that one up, but it was so close to us. We walked right in. I'm like, look at this. We can get every single one of these. This is amazing. <laughs> um, good shit. Recommend. Um, but, yeah, there were so many. You can only do one or two, and and we maybe got to three actually because I think we went to the thing at Youngblood too. That was like their collaboration beers for a little bit. So we had a nice time, a lot of great beers, and managed to keep ourselves upright so that we were ready for the fest the next day. So will you be going back next year or the year after? It sounds like it's an event because it's so uh, expansive that you can go back every year and have a different experience without the festival itself having to change. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking about doing Firestone next year. We'll Fair see. Enough. We'll see what I decide. Yep. I, this is a bad time to ask because it was a great time, and <laughs> I got to see a bunch of my old friends and stuff. And I'm like, man, I would just do that again. That was so good. Yeah, that, see, that's the, the thing. Uh, You're a Midwest boy, and and to be able to catch up with your community because right. it's it's not just like your close knit friends. It's all these sort of like you were talking about bartenders and and people that yep. you would have seen knocking around. It, it's hard to pass up, but Firestone Walker a, Invitational, wow. It's a little more of a beer. The thing is that great taste is more of a party. It's a lot of great beer, and you can taste some great beer, but it's a little bit more of just a fucking blowout, yep. you know. Uh, Firestone's probably got a little more of that slight air of pretension floating around it um, that Mickler has, which, again, Mickler's a fun party. Uh, too, but there is that little bit of like the laptop guys, you know, all that <laughs> shit. You know, that's going to be there. There are no laptop guys at at great taste. Most people are more likely to show up with lawn chairs to sit in the shade and ch- and drink beer than they are to show up with laptops. So, um, it's it's a different scene. So I, I think I'd have to prepare myself for something different. I'm sure I'd have a lovely time. You know, I like fancy beer, but yep, we um, all do. we'll just have to see. I need the I maybe need the benefit of some time to make that decision. Fair enough. But because uh, uh, I recommend is, them both, I'd get there. Yeah, it's it's like you walk out of a festival and you think, yeah, I'm going to be back next year, and then then you look around and you see what's on the calendar, and it's like, but I want to do that, and I want to do that, right? And, Right, you can't do too many of these things. It's not no. good for you. Um, we'll just have to see. Paso Robles is awfully close. That is oh, a that is nice true. side benefit. Of course. <laughs> a mere a mere forty five minute flight to San Luis Obispo, and I will I will be there in in no time. So there is something about that too. All right, Tony. Enough of my beer chat. Why don't we see what our listeners were hanging out and doing uh, over the last week or two uh, by doing the Discord. Oh man, uh, what do we got here? Oh yeah, I did post the Ron DeSantis thing in Discord. If you would join the Discord, and you can do that by clicking on the Discord icon on our website, beerengineshow.com. You could send us an email, beerengineshow at gmail.com, or check, uh, send us a note on Instagram, beerenginepod. 
and we will add you to the Discord so you can get this hot political news in advance that 2024 presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis hosted an event uh, at Toppling Goliath last Friday. Um, actually, it would be two Fridays ago. But uh, he did host a morning event as part of his Never Back Down bus tour through Winnesheck County, Blackhawk County, Tama County, the drum brand, and Power. It is. Powishik County. Um, 108 pre-registered attendees included folks from Iowa and Wisconsin. Now, Decorah, Iowa is where this is, just a bit um, south of the, right there on that Indiana, sorry, Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, tri-state area. Boy, what an area. Um, (laughs) Kind of the worst part of all of the states wrapped up into one zone right there. Um, I guess he was having a good time there. And then, of course, like I said, he was taking shit. Well, he wasn't. Uh, He's taking shit all the time. He seems to be taking on water faster than ever. But um, Pop and Goliath was getting uh, ripped apart all weekend in Madison. So Madison, again, a pretty... Progressive town. I noticed at the beer fest, a lot of people wearing uh, unions for everyone, pro labor T-shirts everywhere uh, at this beer fest. Um, so they were, they were, if they were both um, heavy into labor concerns and into beer, they were none too happy about the Ron DeSantis event at Toppling Goliath. But see, this is um, where you understand how bad a campaign De- DeSantis is running. And I know they would have got a cease and desist, but political campaigns just run with the songs anyway. But wouldn't you be better off going with Don't Back Down tour rather than Never Back Down? And then you can use the travel, Travelling Wolverine song. It just would have been. Well, that's a great, yeah. Because right, yeah. you want to talk about and his then they called, and, then they, and they could have called you and said, please don't. Please don't use our song in your political campaign. Yeah. Well, who's like going to call? Fucking... What, Jeff Lynn? He's about the only one left alive because Petty's dead. That could be right. Um, Neil. Harrison's dead. Roy Orbison's dead. Didn't, ne- didn't Neil Young have to call the Trump campaign? Yep. To tell them? That's so funny that they thought they could. They, Neil Young would be on. I don't know. I understand. Okay. Yeah, that's wild. Um, grammar purist giving me a nice birthday wish. Uh, with a funny meme, some nice memes there from Grammar Purist. Thank you, Grammar Purist, for the birthday wishes. Thank you, Corey, for using uh, ChatGPT to write me a kind of extended birthday story here. Um, and uh, thank you to Brian for calling it gay, which I thought was funny too. Um, how about in beer chat? Uh, we got some good. Oh, we got some busy beer chat here this week. I thought that's pretty good. Yeah, it's going nuts this week. That's cool. Um, so we had. Oh yeah, because we didn't do this last week. So no. I'm gonna go back a little bit because we weeks. were with Brian last week. He never would have let us do this. Um, all right, Max Allotment drinking Firestone. Firestone Hill Farmstead IPA. Uh, Hill Farmstead does make good IPA. Not sure what. I can't remember what the deal is with Hill Farmstead anymore. It feels like everyone is okay with them now. I don't. Are they really? Did something change? I don't know. But anyways, I, I mean, I've had some Hill Farmstead, so I mean, whatever. <laughs> uh, so Max, um, maybe they're the Max Roman Polanski of the beer world. Yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah, um, this is called a first and last things. It looks wonderful. Uh, notes of white grape and bitter orange and resiny herbalness. Um, 
Looks like a hazy with Motuika, Nelson, Sovin, and Simcoe. Very tasty. Uh, I posted this. This is a place I would love to check out. A, a tap room called Little Lager opening in St. Louis. 480 square feet will be one of St. Louis's smallest bars. And it's going to have law specialized in lager. They aren't brewing. It's just going to be other people's lager. St. Louis is a good city to carry other people's lager. Because a lot of breweries making pretty good lager. So... Uh, I would love to check this place out if I find myself in St. Louis anytime soon, which I'm hoping I will. Um, we had a big acquisition, Tony. I'm not, not going to do this in the news because I... Yep, I'm uh, just reading it right now. That's why I was a little distracted. So, yeah, go ahead. You Tilray, know all the details. Yeah, Tilray, which is a weed company uh, that owns Sweetwater. Yep. Um, so they are buying back from AB a number of breweries, probably at a significant discount, I would guess. They were highly available. So they got Breckenridge, Blue Point, Ten Barrel, Widmer, Red Hook, and Brothers, uh, Square Mile of, Cider, yeah, Highball Energy. Tap rooms. Oh, Highball Energy. Wow. Um, so a little bit more news on this. I, I'll save for the, uh, for the news because I do have a bit about this. But. Uh, this is a, yeah, they're a cannabis conglomerate that owns all these other breweries like Alpine and Green Flash and stuff. So, how have really they been bizarre. doing with those brands compared to AB and Bev? Because that's really all I care about. I don't care who owns them as long as you do reasonably well with them. I'm not sure what their deal is right now. I, it feels like they're uh, maybe not quite of the size or the scale of AB. They might be saying, all right, uh, we're going to let you guys run on your own. Uh, we're going to uh, collect. We're, we want some cash for our weed business. So uh, make make money. Please operate in the black and um, give us uh, some money for make for doing weed or whatever it is we do. Yep. Uh, I, I'm not sure what the diversification setup here is for them. I'm not sure if they're I mean, Sweetwater has a weed vibe about them. These breweries are all breweries that are popular in maybe like weed relative areas. So Sweetwater has like weed fucking imagery, but then you've got Red Hook. I mean, then you've got like a Widmer and um, which one, isn't there another Portland one here? Uh, well, at least Widmer is, uh, oh, 10 barrel. Uh, those are in Oregon. So um, those have that going and you've got Breckenridge. That's a Colorado, like Saint snowboarding bros shit. So maybe there's some, Maybe they're going to start trying to <laughs> reach the same crew. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Um, whatever. Uh, PMAC with this, something from Extract Consultants, beer flavor for cocktail spirits and beer. So this is a beer flavor extract. Uh, he says, I don't know how I got there or what this is, but it's about beer flavored. But if it's beer flavored, add your homebrew, then you've probably fucked up along the way. Oh, that's a good point. You've seriously fucked up along the way if that is the case. Uh, that is the one thing homebrew doesn't tend to, to miss is flavor. <laughs> well, you think there's a cocktail that would, benefit, that would benefit from Absolutely. like just the hint of beer? Yeah, because I think there is times where the carbonation can get in the way and the lack of carbonic acid can really... Um, affect the beer if you're doing a shaking cocktail and you need a beer flavor i think there is potential for a use at least that, that's just my very small view i, I don't know what you think I mean, I'd, I, I i'd think be curious yeah, it's sure. very I niche you could, i think you could do something like that yeah it is pretty niche though 
Um, beer flavor, beer flavoring for beer does make it sound strange if you just remove the cocktail spirits part. Beer flavoring for beer. Don't really remember that stuff where they were like they gave you the flavoring of like IPA and you could add it to your fucking pint we, of Miller Lite. And we it talked about like it on the show. I, I don't yeah, think yeah, it's I still figured. on the market. Yeah, that that was not a good idea. Um, Nick Torque was doing a online order pickup at Carwin, having the Mushroom Bear barrel aged Imperial Stout from Bright Brewing. Uh, this looks pretty good. And uh, we had PMAC at Hearts Pub in the Rocks in Sydney. Research for my trip. Thank you, PMAC. <laughs> good and on another PMAC massive doing... rat run past. So I don't know how many rats are running around the bars <laughs> in um, Sydney, but apparently a lot. So this is independent beer, the side of vermin. Good pub, though. So I'll check that out. Um, and uh, also got some recommendations from Nick to go up to the Lord Nelson Brewery. And avoid the fortune of war, Carlton draft fueled shithole. So, hey, you do uh, have to try Carlton draft at some point, but it's available everywhere. I, I think, yeah, avoid the tourist trap. That seems to be the Tony will buy a six. We'll buy a six pack at Woolies, and we'll uh, or at IGA, and we'll park outside your house at night, and we'll pound. Pound two each. No, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll we'll go old school. We'll we'll get a VB. Um, Carlton Draft at a Melbourne beer long neck, and um, which Perfect. you you guys would call a bomber, but uh, just neck straight sure. from the long neck. Fantastic paper we'll brown bag it. Can't wait. Yep. Sounds wonderful. Um, I posted this up. Uh, we got some Duncan spiked coming soon. Um, this is really concerning for the city of Boston, huh? That we're going to have these. Duncan drinks coming here. Uh, we are getting the Duncan spiked original iced coffee, mocha iced coffee, slightly sweet iced tea with a twist of lemon, and stra- strawberry dragon fruit iced tea refreshers um, from Duncan. Uh, I don't know who's making this uh, for them. I don't but know, but there's I'm, a lot of likes on X and a lot of re-Xs. Five thousand four hundred and seventy-four reXs. Well, this is the well, no, because it's the lady who reposted, or, or on Lauren's post, or on Fancy Waddle Dee's post that said Boston yeah. is going to turn into Mad Max in like two <laughs> weeks, uh, which is pretty funny. Um, I think I would. I mean, I tried hard iced coffee, the Pabst one, and I thought, I mean, it's sweet as all get out, but it wasn't too bad. Um, I've had some hard tea that I like. I've had some that gave me an all-time bad hangover, the Twisted Tea, which I didn't care for. But uh, I, I had to put it in beer chat because I wasn't sure. It doesn't, it's not really seltzy. No. It's not really beer, so I'm not sure. It's, it's um, definitely not gloop. And even though it's sweet, it's not pastry bot either. So, you, yeah, fair call. Fair play to you for choosing that. We had uh, PMAC drinking some Mountain Culture at the Quarryman's Hotel. Great pick. Looks good. Um, we've got, uh, what else? Uh, yeah, Quarryman's. He says he'll be personally offended if I don't make time to visit the Quarryman's. So I'll have to really make sure I do that. Don't need that in my life. Um, and it's, uh, oh, man, they got Garage Project there, too. That's pretty good. Yep. 
A torque with some whiskey barrel aged gin infused cherry porter from Barrel Farm. Some stubborn barrel aged stout from Bright Brewing. Now, Barrel Farm, and he, are, nice. they were sort of a revelation from Blobfish. Barrel Farm are an imprint of Blackman's. Uh, Nick wasn't impressed overly with the Blackman's range. I, I think some of their specialty releases are pretty good. Their core range is pretty trash. But their Barrel Farm is really. Um, Knocking it out of the park. One of the better Australian um, sort of barrel-aged, um, specialised places. So it's, it's be interesting to see Nick's sure. review on that cherry porter. I'll have, to get, I'll have to get on that barrel farm stuff. That looks good. Uh, the stubborn stout looks good too. It's, it's uh, 16%, but so smooth. You'd think it was no more than six. All right. I, I'll test that out. Plus, it's got a nice-looking hand design here. And then, of course, my Griff's drunk uncle, my drunk uncle out at New Glarus Brewery in Wisconsin. I did not make it to New Glarus Brewery this year, the, the actual place. Uh, made it last year. They're only open right now from 9 to 5 on weekdays. So it sort of, sort of threw me off. But I have yeah, been no there. And it's, it, is, it is quite nice. Um, yeah, their 30, 30th anniversary Belgian quadruple. Uh, which is uh, great, and I had it in Madison just a few days before him. Uh, 10.5%, yep, very good. Um, and the Apples, which is an excellent uh, German-style Pilsner. Great, they make excellent Pilsner, excellent lager over at New Glarus, so shout-out for that great decision. And a story I posted today, uh, if you get on our Discord, get out there and read it, if you're Australian especially. Uh, this is from Good Beer Hunting. Australia's only native beer, how Cooper's uh, helped sparkling ale survive. So PMAX says it's great. Yep. It's great. You know it's good. So, um, Tony, I don't know if you took a, a glance through this one, but I, you should. I was just trying to I read know you it. love sparkling ale, but I take do, a look. It's good stuff. Yep. Love me some Cooper's um, Red. Cooper's Red, yeah. I, I suspect I'll be getting into some Cooper's. Um, somehow <laughs> my Australia trip thread is just turned into bluey posts, so we're not going to go through all the bluey posts, but... <laughs> Thank oh, come you. on. Don't you love some Bluey action? I'm fine with Bluey. I got nothing against Bluey. Um, but it uh, looks like you are getting a visit from Nick this weekend. Uh, we sure are. So Nick's planning on, on heading down this way and doing some camping. The weather's meant to go to shit. I've, I've given him some alternative arrangements to see whether he's interested in that. So we'll, we'll see what comes of it. But he's definitely going to try a couple of the Mafco beers. Um, I was sitting... Um, Outside yesterday at Mafco, drinking the pale ale and the lager, and it was good weather to be drinking that stuff. So that might get a mention in my lager of the week, or maybe not. Just trying to think what I've had this week. Who knows? We're going to cover. We're going to cover one last thing on uh, in our Discord segment here, which is a, a bit of a pizza discussion we had. Uh, as Corey posted an article about uh, the Midwest turns on itself. In the pizza wars, Chicago and St. Louis shouldn't be squaring off when the real enemy is New York. And essentially the summary of this article is that Chicago and St. Louis uh, have a bit of a pizza rivalry, uh, although their pizza is quite similar in nature. So we're talking nature, bar style pie a, in Chicago when we're talking about Chicago. Yes, we're talking about Chicago tavern cut tavern, pizza. Sorry. So, yep. The, the pizza that most Chicagoans eat on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, St. Louis pizza is very similar to that. 
It's square cut pizza. Uh, maybe uses a slightly sweeter sauce. Uh, it does use a unique to St. Louis cheese, which we've talked about many times here on this show, called Provel, which is an unholy mashup of uh, provolone and mozzarella in science. Delicious. Well, if it were just that, if it were some genetic cheese you know, situation, it's, it's, it would be fine. But there is a American cheese textural element to it. Um, it's somewhat inexplicable to me. So Sounds like it's getting even better. I don't know what your problem is here. And maybe you'd love it. Tony, I'm telling you, when you come out, you, you're looking for another American city to go to. I think St. Louis really could sweat your whistle in an interesting way. Um, but it's not for me that cheese. The pizza, I think, is fine. I think it is. I Especially after about seven beers, St. Louis-style pizza really hits the spot. It's great. Um, but it is an unusual texture cheese um, for me. Especially from Chicago where we have the really like browned on top uh, mozz that has like the kind of a almost rubbery texture in some way, you know, like cooked mozzarella. Either of these are like perfectly gourmet foods. Anyways, the point is that this is a, I think they follow the nature of the Midwest style sheeted dough, you know, cracker crust pizza. And instead of yelling and screaming at each other, we should be fighting the real battles against the, uh, other the bad regional pizzas. Um, actually, I don't mind New York pizza. I mean, New York New York people just get mad at us, uh, so maybe that's what we got to compete with. But I think the real enemy is this shit that I sent down here, Altoona style pizza, Tony. Yeah, I was just maybe since you love American cheese so much, you might love this. But this is um, essentially like a Sicilian dough type situation, like a risen dough covered in. Kind of a sweet marinara sauce and um, big slices of American cheese, and it looks really god-awful. Look, all I ask is, as long as it's thin and crispy and not like, or it can even be quite a bit of dough, but just not stodgy. I don't want stodgy pizza. Like, you guys yeah. fight, fight out of this stuff because, you know what? You have a lot of good pizza places. You know who doesn't fight about good pizza? Places that don't have good pizza. So enjoy no, the battle. Yeah, um, yeah I uh, I agree with you. I don't I like even so good deep dish pizza isn't stodgy. No, it's crispy. Uh, that's why Giordano sucks because it is stodgy. <laughs> it's so doughy and squishy and nasty. You you got to be getting the good like crisped up crust on your um, on your deep dish with the acidic sauce. That's what you want. Yep. You just don't want it to be heavy and weigh you down too much. Because you um, need that balance because you're really cooking a pie there. Like when you talk about pizza pie, that is a true pie almost. If you called it a a cheese quiche with with, um, a tomato tomato sauce, people wouldn't have a problem with it Uh, and then just flavour it off the back of that. But because it's called pizza, people get outraged. This is the speech I get from Brian and uh, he's, he's eaten a good version of it and, you know, it's good. Yeah. But it, it's just, uh, it's, you know, it's the many definitions of pizza well, based on what a bunch of people from like 1910 did or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, this, I was um, watching something the other day and they're like, do you realize how um, late um, 
in the 20th century, some of these Italian traditions were actually codified and they weren't right. Italian traditions before that. And it's like, of course. And even if they are traditions, people break those rules all the time. It's all like, the time. Just because you're expecting something to be one thing doesn't mean it's always going to be that one thing. And right. an example that I had to come around to is like an IPA. What an IPA is is such a massively wild yeah. style and it's the same with pizza. Yes, it's a food. Yes, it includes dough. But outside of that, it can basically be anything amongst that because I would include um, like your um, like non-traditionally pizza-shaped things. What's the um, – it's like shaped like a moon because it's a pizza folded over and then cut up. I forget what they're called. Like a calzone? Calzone. I would consider that pizza. Uh, and I know okay. some people don't. They they consider that something different. But it has all the elements of pizza to me. Sure. Yeah. So I think right. pizza's whatever you, you want to make it, but uh, don't be so narrow-minded. Not all pizza is this thing that is 65% hydration that doesn't get, get above 18 degrees Celsius and has to be fermented for 48 hours. That's one style of pizza, which you're allowed to love, but it's not the only style of pizza. We we I I've no I've never seen a recorded murder based on pizza height dough hydration yet, but it's coming. Um, we'll <laughs> Fucking oath, it's coming. Yeah. Uh, all right, Tony. Let's move into the beer portion of the show. Let's go to the lager of the week. Griff's lager of the week. Griff's lager of the week. Oh, Tony, I got to have uh, some uh, Metropolitan beers while I was there at the festival. And I'm trying to figure out what um, what hop it was dry hopped with. I think it was with Laurel. We're going to go with Laurel. Um, I had Heliostat dry hopped with, with, hop, with Laurel hops, I think it was. Um, which was wonderful. Uh, dry hopped Heliostat. What can you say? It's amazing. Heliostat, the Zwickel beer from Metropolitan, unfiltered lager, unfiltered Pilsner. Uh, throw in some special hops in there, and we're talking, baby. That's some good shit. That does sound And um, in the next couple of weeks, just expect a lot of Oktoberfest beers to come through this space because uh, it's getting to be that time of year for, <laughs> for the fest beers, and I'm enjoying it, so... That's get that'll be my last uh, light colored lager for a little bit. Tony, what about you? Well, of course, I was thinking light colored lager, and that's why I thought the Mafco lager. But um, I ended up going with uh, a collaboration with two great uh, Gippsland breweries, uh, Sailor's Grave, which you know pretty well. I mentioned it a bunch of times, um, and Goodland Brewing, who I've also mentioned a bunch of times. They did a collaboration, which was a Belgian dark lager. That was fucking outstanding. And that's my lager okay. of the week. Uh, it's just something that you don't sort of um, see around. Um, and both those breweries have been knocking it out of the park lately with Belgian-inspired stuff. Um, so... I've got a Sailor's Grave Belgian Pale, straight up Belgian Pale, which I'm super excited about because that's a style that is underrepresented in Australia. Definitely. Amazing. All right, let's go to the beers of the week, Tony. 
played that thing in a while. So good. My beer of the week. This is an easy one. You know I had it on order. I've got your two cans set aside for you and Kelly when you get here. It's Ramjet right. 2023 from, from Boat Rocker. Just absolutely killing it. Delicious barrel-aged stout. In Starwood Whiskey Barrels, nothing super spectacular. No pappy barrels. Don't need any of that shit. Just do it right. What was your beer of the week, Griff? Oh, you, Tony, it's you got so a lot tough to choose to from. This is going to be a I long, a lot, fifteen minute segment. A lot to I'm not going to do that. I'm going to name. So I'm going to name a brewery here. I know that's unusual to do for beer of the week. Is it Topland Goliath? I just, yeah, I just had so much good stuff from this brewery. They were not actually at the festival. Um, it is called Black Rose Blending Company. This is a, this is what took over Funk Factory essentially. Um, so they are um, a former employee of Funk Factory who's doing saison, wild ale, and then making like wine, making second runnings wine, cider, mead, all this stuff. And everything I had from them was absolutely killer. Moon Flares, which was the uh, Montmorency cherry and um, raspberry wine barrel sour. Uh, they did a house beer that they're making. That's just a straight up like tart farm, clean farmhouse beer, like a beer de coupage type beer. Um, they, uh, I bought, I brought home two bottles from them that I can't wait to open, but everything from these guys was absolutely killing. And the other brewery I'm going to shout out and we're going to play a little game with these guys. So you can't look up their ratings. Okay. Well, was a brewery know. called. A brewery called Triptych, which I talked about a beer I had from them a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, I was going to say that's familiar to me more than the, the first but, um, one that you mentioned. We went and we went and talked to these guys and saw we went and saw these guys um, uh, uh, at the fest just because we always liked their beers and their stouts absolutely blew me out of the water. So those stouts are going to get brought up in the upcoming. Game, the upcoming Untrapped, so we're going to save those. Uh, but my beers of the week are the Stouts from Triptych and uh, the Sour Beer made by Black Rose Blending Company in Madison. So good, absolutely phenomenal shit. I know that's very bougie of me, the, some, be- some brewery in the middle of farmland in Illinois and some small batch brewery making 80 bottle batches of Saison in Wisconsin, but that's what you get. From this podcast gang. That's the shit I like. Like, we don't always just focus on that stuff. If we're only focusing on on places that were so niche, um, then I think it would be boring. But because we we concentrate on the on the big boys as, as much as these guys, it's, it's nice to have these, like, hidden gems that are around the place that pop up and really surprise you from time to time. And that's what I really love personally, so... I'm a big fan that you you chose some really nice stuff today. Just go to hey, listen. Go to if you want to have a beer that I love at any point. Go to, go to if you're in Chicago or near. Go to any liquor store and buy some straight jacket, and you'll yep. have one of my favorite beers of all time. There you go. That's just more egalitarian for me to throw out if anyone else <laughs> wants something that's good. And I think I had one this weekend anyway. So that up there too. I like that. Um, all right. Uh, let's do hyper beer nerd dork shit news. Hyper beer nerd dork shit news. Oh man, these are my favorite news stories, Tony. I love these. Every every six months we get one. Is the craft beer tide turning? 
Tony, with multinational breweries exiting the craft market, the evidence suggests that this sector of the beer industry will be coming full circle. So, uh, apparently, the point of this is that uh, craft beer is, like, struggling or whatever. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. We're going to be down to seven breweries again. Whoa. Yeah. Scary news. Well, it's funny because all these big companies are exiting the craft market, which actually, I think, points would, would be more reflective of their inability to sustain the model that's necessary for yep. craft. And right? a lot so of these brands are not going away. Yeah, right. Some of these no, brands are being shut away. down, but a lot of them are being, being sold shut off. down. Some breweries are closing. We've had some good breweries close. We've had mostly some pretty under- underwhelming breweries close. We've talked about this. Um, it's hard to run a brewery. I think we'll see more close. I agree. But I don't. I think that the reason these big companies are getting out of it is because big companies don't have the means anymore. You're in the late stage of U.S. capitalism to manage. A business like that, they don't, they can't handle that. It doesn't work for them. Uh, any project that they do has to make a certain amount of money to turn the tide of the shareholders or to satisfy yep. the board members or whatever. And no, no new product that's like a pale ale because I want to make a pale ale because it'll taste good and we'll probably sell through it at a batch of X size, like a smaller reasonable size. It doesn't matter to any of these companies. They don't, they're, fuck you. I don't care. Shut up. Like, That's not making any difference for us, you know. But if you're Mafco, you know, and you're like, you know, I want to turn, maybe, you know, I got to turn a profit on this pale ale. Let's make it clean and good and and sell through it and yep. pay the mortgage for another month, you know. And you probably can, you know. Um, yep. But these these guys don't have the, even for a size of a brewery the size of Goose Island, you know, which is a big brewery but not an insanely big brewery. They can't handle it. But New Glarus, which is just as big of a brewery, can because they have a different mindset. They have yep. a different approach. They don't have to sustain their whole company on this. On, or they don't have to sustain a multinational, multi-billion dollar company on fucking Bourbon County Stout. If they want to make Lambic, they can make Lambic, sell it for $20 a bottle yep. and say, all right, we're going to make money on this for the nerds and we'll be fine. I, I don't know. Just, like, just like they, don't, they don't have it in them. Yeah. The whole article is is fucked from the very start. It's like, look at the model of Jim Cook and, and James Watt. You know, for every well, one of those, there's a bunch of businesses that didn't make it. Well, I think that's called capitalism. For every hamburger joint that opened up, there's only a handful that turned into multi-million dollar corporations. Your Burger right. Kings, your McDonald's, your McDowell's. Not every business that opens Movies. is going to turn into a massive franchise. Same with computer companies. You know what? There used to be more than just Apple and three Windows brands. But, hey, things change. Economies change. And you'll find within the service industries, there's a whole bunch of small chains that survive. They crop up for 20, 30 years. They go away. A business right. doesn't have to have a 100-year life cycle to be successful either, and businesses are allowed to close. We reported of a few breweries that closed their doors because the owner didn't want to sell and didn't want to tarnish the brand name. 
and they'd made their money and they were exiting on their own terms. And I applaud them. Not everything has to be about being listed on the NASDAQ or the S&P, whatever, on the stock exchange. Businesses are allowed to stay small and niche businesses should be aware of where they are on the marketplace without trying to become the next Coca-Cola or the next Boston Beer Company. Yeah. I mean, look at, watch the fucking show Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives. It's not the greatest TV in the world. Guy Fieri isn't the greatest person. But it's a show where they go to local restaurants and they don't very often come back to the local restaurant and he's like, boy, business has been crazy. I have opened 80 more locations. He's like, no, it's been great. I'm busy every day. That's awesome. Now I can like, I'm going to put in another fucking, I'm putting in a new stove, you know, so I have this nice new equipment or I'm putting my kid through college or whatever the fuck, you know, the thing that you would do when you work. It's just a crazy thought that everything has to be this, this, you know, the the sign that, listen, there are plenty of signs that craft is struggling uh, because everything's fucking expensive right now. And the economy is not excellent in the world. Uh, And uh, the job jobs are getting worse and not paying enough. Those are bad signs, right? But um, those aren't different necessarily for beer. They're all luxuries will have this problem. Yeah, and I don't think because because Goose Island or because Anheuser Busch can't run Red Hook really doesn't signify anything to me besides their inability to run that type of business or yes or lack of willingness and their lack, lack of, of need for it. They, yeah, right. Yeah. They don't they don't need that. They had no business in this market anyways, and they're getting out of it. And you know, fair. <laughs> I guess. Whatever. All right, moving on. That's a that was a good rant. Um so this was part of kind of the teaser I gave. Boy, people are gonna love that. Uh, about so because of this Tilray sale. Uh, Tony, and this is from Axios. No longer with Anheuser Busch, two Oregon brands can regain their craft beer status. So, Widmer and Ten Barrel and Breckenridge and all these other breweries that um, uh, we had talked about are all able to become craft breweries again, officially, in the eyes of Beer Association, because Tilroy Tilray is not uh, big enough to make them uh, not. So all these breweries are back on can be back under the Brewers Association umbrella again. If that makes you feel better about anything, I'm not sure if I care or not. But what? But that was half interesting that that it's it's that arbitrary. Well, I think I think it's actually a fun signifier. I think what it allows you to say is, do I want to support what these brands are doing um, to the craft industry? That's really all that sticker means. It's not a comment on an individual brewery, and it's not a comment on any of these other breweries that they're actually doing anything good. It's just an easy way of signifying, do I want to support what Anheuser-Busch are doing in the craft market? Uh, to me, I don't really care. I think there are enough independent brands out there that I, uh, that signifier doesn't really mean anything, and if they're still producing a a good enough beer, I'll just buy it and I won't even look for that signal. But for some people, that's important. I think it's I think it's smart branding from the industry as a whole. It, it, it means that people can recognise it. 
but it's not a signifier of quality or ethics. It's just a signifier that they're not owned by five or six brands. And it was amazing. They bought they bought all these breweries all cash, and that means it couldn't have been much cash. No. <laughs> No, that, that's true. It must have been a fire sale. Man, a, Jack. That's crazy. Jack Wolf has something a lot else. to answer for in this country. Anheuser-Busch, you got to right. improve that balance sheet, even if they're going to just jettison a bunch of assets that they could have actually got more money out of long term. But, hey, got to get that instant gratification, baby. You got to drive that stock. The only way to make money now is stock price, baby. There's no... Yep. Making making money is so two nineteen ninety five publicly no. traded company right seventy five yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> right none of these companies make money anymore it's all stock value it's excellent very cool um all right so there's that and then um we oh, love let's, do, let's do this oh I want to do this. Uh, let me do this. Okay, let's do the listicle first. That looks really funny. Yeah, because the other one's um, not technically a beer, but I just chucked it in there. So, I, you know, I love a listicle, and this one made me really mad. So, <laughs> here's to the best. This is this is the ultimate PR-driven top ten list. I love this shit. Um, this is the Reader's Choice Best Beer Bar 2023 from the USA Today. USA Today, who has one of my favorite Simpsons bits, was um, like season two or season three when... Boomer's reading the USA Today, and he's like, hey, the, this is the only paper that has the, the courage to say how it really is, that everything's fine. <laughs> uh, so it's just this milk toast fucking white bread newspaper that has no opinion on anything. Um, but they have a 10 best list of the 10 best beer bars. Let's run them down, Tony, see how many I've been to. Number 10, Hop City Beer and Wine in Birmingham, Alabama, has more than 1,200 varieties of craft and imported beer to shop and 66 rotating draft beers. Boy, that's a lot of beers to that's keep a lot of line lines clean. clean on. Yeah. But uh, maybe um, maybe Tyler, who I know has spent uh, a little bit of time in Birmingham, can tell me if that place is any good. Number nine, this is a place I was at earlier this year, Tony, and I can vouch this is probably one of the 10 best beer bars I've ever been to. Wow. Uh Church Key right. in Washington, in Washington D.C. Uh, the decor is plush, encouraging patrons to dive into the experience. Wow, well said. Um, they have 500 beers and 50 taps and five casks, um, each at the perfect temp and serving the appropriate glassware. So, how cool. do they manage the perfect temp? Are they running it? I think they have one of those right. flux capacitor doodads that will yep. manage the temp thing in there. Yeah. Uh, number eight is Hopcat. I've been to this place, Hopcat in Grand Rapids. And? Um, it's excellent beer place, yes. They have a ton of great beer, uh, so I can stand for that one, number eight. Number seven is Max's Tap House in Baltimore. I was briefly here. They have 108 taps. It's too many taps. Yep. Uh, I, I, I'm sure they do keep the lines clean, but I, it's, you can't pick. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's too many beers. You need 30. Is the most you should have. Um, number six is the Whale, excellent beer beer place. Been okay. to the Whale in Asheville and in Greenville and in Charleston. They have great beer, very fun place, uh, a very awesome beer list, and they have a, a Luker faucet for lager, Ooh, really good. Love a Luker faucet. 
Number five is Monk's Cafe uh, in Philadelphia. This place has, a, they made a, their own Cantillon with Jean Van Roy. Um, this is a very famous Belgian beer bar. Uh, with it, and they make monks the monks cafe sour, which is very famous here in the states. And only twenty five uh, taps. This, this place rocks. I know, perfect. Yep, and their bottle list is totally wild. Um, yeah, with bottle, Cantillon and bottle and list can yeah. be crazy. So O'Brien's pub have, in San Diego is yep. is next on the list. Yeah, I'm never, I've never been to this place. Oh no, we we're getting a dropout here, people. Griff's frozen for a second, but Griff's never been to this place. It does look good. Um, 28 craft beers on tap, uh, founded in 1994. Uh, Belgian beers, hoppy pours, and rarities from around the world. Man, that is some PR speak. It's almost like he's correct when he says that uh, this, this was put together by a whole bunch of PR people. Uh, the Brick Store pub in Decatur, Georgia is next, Griff. Have you been there? What did you think about it? He's gone again. The internet is doing us a business here, folks. Uh, If I had some technical difficulty music, I would play it for you right now. Otherwise, you're just going to have to deal with some science. Bear with us, folks. Oh, so I think we've got our technical problems sorted. We think we've got uh-huh. it sorted. And as I was saying, Griff, what do you have to say about the Brickstore pub in Decatur, Georgia? Nothing. Never been there. Never been to Decatur, <laughs> Georgia. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll continue on to number two, the Side Hustle Tap Room <laughs> in Seattle and Kirkland, where I have also never been or heard of. Um, okay. And I will go to number one. Have you ever been Pilot there? Project Brewing in Chicago, Illinois, and Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Not your typical beer bar. This brewery incubator helps to support startup breweries by providing two tasting rooms uh, in Chicago, Illinois, and Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Both are offering 24 taps. And I have never been there, and that is not a beer bar. That is a brewery. God damn it. So don't know what the fuck that is about. Uh, it, it started off okay. You know, Monk's Cafe, Whale. Uh, Hopcat, Church Key, I'm down. But then it went fucking haywire at the end with Brickstore Pub, which I'm sure is a fine pub, actually. It seems like it. But then this pilot project thing, which I'm sure is fine, but that is a that is just a collection of breweries. There's yeah. really no, I don't know okay, them, whatever. So that one's bizarre. Uh, but there you go, USA Today, with your ultimate public relations-driven shit right there. Now, here's, here's my theory. Do you think more of these listicle articles are being written by AI and that's why they go a little haywire? Or is it because of these listicles that AI is so, um, like, just that five degrees off? It's a listicle like this that's poorly written. It's like garbage in, garbage out kind of deal. All right, let's, let's, let's ask the list. Uh, uh, tell me the best Five beer bars in the USA. Let's see what they say. Uh, Tornado, Church Key, Blind Tiger Ale House, Russian River, and Mickler Bar. So this is from 2021. That was his last knowledge update on ChatGPT. So in Tornado, Church Key, Blind Tiger, and the San Francisco Mickler Bar are pretty good options. Russian River is an amazing option, but it isn't. It's a it's a brewery. So. Um, Honestly, that's probably a more helpful list. I don't know. Whatever. Um, 
Maybe not because a couple of these places are closed. Blind Tiger is awesome, and so is Church Key. But all right, let's move on to this last news story that you gave me, Tony. Um, this is from the drinks business. KFC launches first ever spirit with new rum. Best Food Corporation KFC has teamed up with UK-based rum brand Dead Man's Fingers to create chicken chains. The chicken chains first ever spirit, an eleven herbed and spiced rum. It's got 11 herbs and spices in it. Uh, whispers of creamy caramel, vanilla, treacle, coffee, toffee, sorry, treacle, toffee, and nutmeg. You can try this at a limited edition pop-up at uh, a pop-up chicken and rum shack in Margate, offering free chicken to anyone who attends. The seaside pop-up will feature Den Man figure, sorry, Dead Man's Fingers, kind of a twist hunger, twist hunger. <laughs> Twistunger, Twistunger. Now there's a there's a <laughs> the, the Twistunger. That's a good club. Uh, the seaside pop up will feature Dead Man's Fingies approved cocktails. The Zinger Punch, including Zinger Colonel's Colada and Fingers Licking Good. God. Um. All right. Well, for all our British listeners, you guys have a good time with that. Tell me how the eleven spiced and herbed. Fucking shit is. All right. Tony, let's play a quick game. It's a round of un- untrapped. I'm kicking you down the well for this one. You sure are. Let me find the jingle. I was polished here, but we've had techie shoes. Where are you? There you are. You know, you love it. Sing along if you know the words. good tony i was telling you how much i love these triptych beers and i thought it might be fun to guess the rating on these uh i was maybe slightly buzzed but i did keep saying that i like these beers better than anything i've ever gotten from horace uh so (laughs) you can tell me if i was right or wrong on that well no i can't all i can tell you is do other people does agree untapped, with your opinion? Does Untapped think I am right? So yeah. we will start. With the first one here is called Dearest Anna. It is Dearest Anna. We're going to go with the 2023 version, which is the version I drank. Uh, this is a barrel-aged imperial stout conditioned with Intelligentsia coffee and Tahitian vanilla. This is the 2023 version. It has 134 ratings. It's 15.8. Tony, what do you think? Okay, I'm going to go with 4.27. I think I'm low. I do think I'm low. All right, Tony, you're low. Uh, Tony, this was a beer that, so a lot of times with stouts, they will have release times. For these yep. big barrel-aged stouts, so you come up at 3 p.m. and there's already a line building up and all that shit for, for these beers. This one, they just dropped it all off at once. I walked up at 4 p.m. or whatever and got it. Uh, no line, nothing. Uh, Tony, this one is getting a 4.55. Okay. Some monster, some, some monster numbers Yeah, on uh, this one. 
I knew it was the second I put in the final answer and I wasn't going to change it that I was low. And I thought it was going to be 4.4. So, okay, I know the ballpark. I need to be a, really think about it and perhaps be a tenth higher than where I thought I was going to have to be. Okay, that, that one get me in the ballpark. I like it. All right, why don't we go to the, Al- the Alpine Hat Party? Tony, this is a non, non-stout. We're going to go, this is my favorite Ooh. non-stout I had from these guys. Uh, this is a fest beer, um, not a Merton, a fest beer. We know yep. the difference of those things. This is sort of a Hellas Bach type lager, I would say. Uh, 5.8%, about right. Bang on. German-inspired, German-inspired amber-ish lager featuring Pilsner and Munich malts and Hallertau hops brewed to commemorate... 1810 nuptials of Crown Prince Ludwig and Princess Teresa. Okay. Uh, this one has 377 ratings, 539 check-ins. See, I would normally go under four for a beer like this, but I'm going to go with 4.13. Uh, you overshot that one. Ooh. This is pretty good for a Hellas Bach. 3.92 the Alpine Hat Party, which okay. is a excellent score for Hellas Park. Four point one three would be amazing, but I think you'd have to be Goldfinger. But I thought this was delicious, really good lager. Um, some people are wrong. Mitch Mitch Hubie says this is about three to four months too early. Not feeling this is August. Not bad though. Shut up. <laughs> These Shut are up. the same people that have a problem with hot cross buns in the supermarket early. Nobody gives a flying fuck. They're delicious. People eat them. I'd see Irish soda bread at the supermarket in uh, August. We're like, fuck yeah, I want some. That shit's good. Put some butter on there. Mm. Uh, G-Man Leebach says, not much to taste here. Shut up, (laughs) G-Man. I don't need to hear from the G-Man. Okay, Patrick Reed is here. He says, best lager I've maybe ever had. Thank you, Patrick. Respect. All right, moving on. Back to the stouts, Tony. Uh, you know, you know, I had to do it to you. Uh, you know, I had to do it to you. Uh, this one is called. Was there enough check-ins on this one? Yes. Forces way beyond our control. 2023 version. This one has 297 ratings, 404 check-ins. It's 17.3%. Jesus. And no wonder I had a solid buzz going on. Um, I got this twice. <laughs> this is aged in a blend of our favorite bourbon barrels for up to 24 months and then conditioned on hundreds and hundreds of pounds of coconut. Oh, Jesus. This imperial stout <laughs> explodes with notes of Rickhouse Charred vanillin and, of course, coconut. Intense, luscious, and silky. Oh. Of course, it's got the griff bias. But this has got to be... This has got to be above 4.5, right? Has to be. I'm going to go 4.58. All right, Tony, you got one. You saved saved your at least pride a little bit. It's a 4.6 for forces way beyond our control. This was the beer of the day. This was the beer of the week. Uh, I just could not get out of my own pastry loving way with this one to get this faster and faster. And Ratings it on it twice. are crazy. Holy shnikes, that was good, according to Joshua Mueller. 
Uh, we had um, so good dot 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 Z. This guy was falling asleep while I was drinking it. And uh, oh man, no no other funny comments. Everybody was just doing the work. A great day. Oh, here we go. It's the day of coconut, and I'm not complaining. Wait, was that fucking me? <laughs> Hell yeah. It's awesome. All right, so that's there you go. Gang, if you find your way to some Big Ten football this year in beautiful Champaign, beautiful and flat Champaign, Illinois, uh, drive down the road from Memorial Stadium, maybe about two, three miles to Triptych. Pick up Culver's on the way there. Why not? Huh? That sounds good. Does. And uh, get yourself some of these tasty beers. These guys are destroying. These are the best. These were the beers of the day at a, at a beer fest that had perennial, second shift, uh, forager, uh, any of it, revolution, any of that stuff. Um, I think it's better than the rev stuff. Not necessarily. It's just different. It's, um, but this stuff totally killed. So highly I, recommend. It, it's nice to just recommend new stuff that tastes delicious. Does it have to be better than something else to get a recommendation? Nope. It just has to be delicious. So uh, It rocks. There you go. Tony, I think we did enough this week. Why don't you tell people where they can find us? They can find us on Untapped. We're checking in beers. Hey, I checked in a lager this this week. So, And you can find me doing that at St. Moz on Untapped. You are Griff AD on Untapped. You can also find us at... Um, Instagram, where we are at Beer Engine Pod. Aren't you glad we're not on X, where it's um, it's X, formerly Twitter, and everything is still yeah. a retweet? They haven't bothered to change that because Elon didn't actually think forward enough to actually think, what are we going to call tweets and retweets? X. I love reading any article, any article that references a post or a tweet has to say, like, posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, again, anything that references Twitter or X or whatever. Like, you have to be covering up the name. It's it's so funny that everyone's like, what the fuck? Yep. Really good. It's so good. Uh, BeerEngineShow at gmail.com is our email address if you want to send us an email. If you want to um, support our beer drinking, you can do that at um, our uh, donation platform and our donation platform of choice is ko-fi.com forward slash beer engine podcast send us a donation we'll use it to drink beer or buy 2023 ramjet mm, delish yep we will do that very good is that it we that, got everything that's everything i've done email i've done instagram right. i've done untapped and i've done ko-fi Hey, join our Discord while you're at it too. Uh, yep. Send us an email or send us an Instagram post. Because it was a pop we'll And click on, click on the old link and you can hang out with us on Discord. All right. Good stuff, Tony. We will be back uh, next week with some more of this, more of this chit chatter and beer babble. Beer babble. Bye bye. I like it. <laughs> oh, he's out. Done. No long outro. <laughs> he's done. Bye. See ya. Adios. <laughs>